What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I am your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad. It incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. I'm so excited for you to hear from my longtime friend and mentor, Walt Dabrowski. I'm sitting here with a page of notes that I hope to implement in my own life. Walt's children are moved out of the house and he shares how he continues to press into his fatherhood role as well as reflecting back on things he would have liked to have done differently or things that he would have continued to press in on. This is one of the most powerful conversations I've had. Please listen and implement the truths that Walt shares today. The world will look different if you do. Get ready to be inspired and if you are, please share it, write a review, Fatherhood Matters, and you You and I are responsible to let the world know. All right, what's up? Welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm super excited to be hanging out with my really good friend, Walt Dabrowski. What's up, Walt? How are you? Doing good there, Ned. Yeah, Walt has been in my life for the last 12 years, and he has. we've had a lot of different ways that we've been connected, but it all started. I moved to Northern California to be a youth pastor and, uh, his kids were in the youth group and that's how Walt and I met. That was 12 years ago. And you rented us our first house, right? So when we moved up here, rented us our first house, you were part of the board of, uh, getting me hired. Yeah. And, uh, then we did youth group at your house would use your car all the time for youth group trips. Um, and then we just stayed connected as we're both involved in business. You've served as a mentor really in the sales area for sure. Um, and then now even more, we've been using the disc profile a lot for our business and you are a master at the reading of the disc profiles. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk fatherhood with Walt because Walt has a ton of wisdom and uh, I know that you're going to get a lot of value out of hearing him talk. So I'm going to be quiet and let's just get into hearing from Walt. So Walt, how many kids do you have and how old are they? I have five children. They're all millennials. The very first year was my son, Jeff. He's 39. And then the last year of the millennial is my son, Evan. He's 20. He'll be 26 in October. 26, so four boys and a girl. 39. Four, yep, so opposite me. So you got four boys and one girl. And then how old are you? I'm 64. 64. And then uh, what do you do or what have you done throughout your life with your family uh, to provide for the family? So that's interesting because my whole life has always been on commission. So I've never, mm. ever worked ever where I've had a base salary. I used to have to, uh, what do they call that? Um uh, hunt, uh, kill what I hunt or hunt what I kill or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. If, if I didn't sell something, we did, we literally couldn't make house payments or anything like that. Um, so basically I got into the finance field and started helping people in that, in that area and did quite well in that. And then, uh, when I retired out of that, I went on my own and then, uh, became a business coach, uh, in the finance field as well. And I stayed doing that and I'm still doing that as of today. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, 
Okay, so as you think back over the years of being a father, the cool thing, because a lot of our conversation is that you get to look back on, you know, some of the childhood years and even your relationship with your kids now. Um, what throughout the years was was a really good resource to you um, being a father through different seasons? Well, you know, I can tell you that my father was uh, always my mentor. And unfortunately, mm. he died when I was young. But uh, I was 32 years old when he died. And um, that is young. I would have to tell you that everything that I learned from him, I started learning at about 13 years old. Uh, he would take me out on his calls. He owned a, a company in Sacramento. It was a large kitchen remodeling company. And uh, so he had to line the people up in the morning to go out and do their jobs at seven in the morning. Then he would have to come back home in the afternoon and then sleep and then go out and do the calls and make, uh, you know, and make sales. And so uh, I was one of six kids. And so when I was about 13 years old, my father said, hey, you know, in order to spend time with me, he said, well, how would you like to go out on these sales calls? And I started going on in these sales calls. and I started realizing, you know, uh, what sales is all about and uh, a lot about my father and how he conducted business and how uh, leadership and integrity and certain things really matter to my father. And I was able to take that and use that in my, in my sales. And I was able to be successful, especially in uh, areas where there, there, I was surrounded by people that weren't ethical and, uh, and things. Wow. That's really good. That's really good. I don't know that I've heard you talk about yeah. that in, in the depth like that. That's really powerful. And I love that too, just that your dad realized I want to spend time with you and going to work is a great way for you to spend time with me. I mean, how invaluable, like look at where you're at today because of that time he spent with you. That's, that's really cool. I know you absolutely love being a dad. You've actually said to me before, um, you know, cause you'll see me posting pictures. I have five kids. My kids are seven to 14 now. So, you know, randomly I'll post a picture on Instagram and I'll get a text or a call from Walt. Like, oh, I remember doing that, you know, 20 years ago, I'm just love watching what you're doing. So I know you love being a dad and you've even made the comment being a Peter Pan dad, uh, yeah. just, you know, having fun with your kids. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to ask you a question that I think you could probably talk about for 30 minutes, but give me just a couple of nuggets. What do you think the role of a father is? Well, you know, I think there's a couple uh, things. First of all, uh, you have to be their friend at every, at every age. You have to be their friend. Um, and one of the things that I thought that I was successful uh, when I was a father, when um, when my kids were young, was to meet them where they were at. So mm. I could do I could work very, very hard all day. And, the you know, there's a saying that some days you get the bear and some days the bear gets you. Uh, but I was able to come home, and that's what I meant by a Peter Pan dad. I was able to come home and immediately see my kids playing Legos on the floor or my daughter uh, in her playhouse, and I was able to completely leave my business life and get right into their world immediately. Um, you know, a lot of times before I'd come in, we'd go to the garage and get a football out. The boys would come right on out. Uh, we play catch, uh, paintball. Uh, you know, anything that was anything that we could. Yeah. So let me, um, let me mm -hmm. ask you a question about that. How did you train yourself or what was the, what was the thing that you did to turn off work 
you know, especially being in commission, you're right. There's, there's, there's like that sale you're working on every day, probably that you were able to come home and turn that off. How were how you able to remind yourself, okay, I am Walt, the guy who sells and provides, but I'm also Walt, the, the dad who wants to be engaged with his kids and, and, and have a relationship with them. Well, Ned, I, I don't think I ever grew up <laughs> to be quite frank with you. I would have rather have been with my kids and with my family and yeah. having fun with them. Um, and rather than actually working. But when I did have to work, I knew I had to work. I knew I had to provide for my family. It was a balance between both of those two. So I always was very competitive in everything that I've done. So that's why I always did well at sales, but that's why I always mm. thought I did well at being a father. Um, and then the other thing is uh, I love having fun. So I become what they call the activities director. So whenever any of my kids are talking about, man, we, you know, like um, some of the things, uh, one of the things my father used to do, because we had six kids, was he would tell each one of us kids that, hey, I'm going to take you to a special place that don't tell anybody. And it would be like an ice cream parlor. And then 10 years later, I would talk to my sister and go, yeah, I don't, you know, my, you know, dad used to take me to this ice cream place. And I'm really not supposed to tell you, but, you know, he goes, you're kidding me because dad used to take me to this. tell me not to do that and times that by six and i did that with my my kids as well so i was always out going to uh breakfast places or doing ice cream or uh you know going to have lunch you know little lunch places etc like that and um and so i think i love that that. and so i enjoyed that part i just totally enjoyed it and the kids the kids enjoyed it as well yeah. Yeah. I think that's just the piece, you know, that I'm always kind of looking for is what's that, what's that X factor or whatever you want to call it that dads can start to, you know, dig into so that when they come home, it's not just I'm beat, you know, so it's like saving, saving some energy, not, not putting everything out there in the world, but coming home and, and remembering who you are and wanting to enjoy your family. So it, it comes down to a choice. Um, and I think, you know, even hearing you say it, you can tell that there's not a regret. Uh, there might be a longing to almost go back to that time because it was so rich. Um, but the cool thing is, is you're not looking back with a regret, right? Because you did spend that time with them, yeah. um, which I, which I want to get into because I know there's three, there's three things we're going to talk about. But before we do, um, this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes. And the idea is that a dad you know, you, um, are ahead of me in life and you can open up your field notes and share your wisdom with me, which you always do. I mean, if we're, we're on the phone together. It's no less than an hour usually. Yeah. Um, but the, the mantra behind all this is rebel and create. And the idea is, you know, that, that we want to rebel against low expectations. Um, and then we want to create the life of fulfillment and purpose with our families as fathers. Um, and it could be something large, like I'm rebelling against the status quo of what my dad showed me or what the church showed me or, you know, whatever it might be so that I can create this life with my family. Or it could be something small, like I'm rebelling against getting home at 730 at night because I want to have dinner with my family and I want to create those family memories. What's something currently, um, as a as a dad who's all his kids are moved out, um, that you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Okay, that's a good question. First of all, I'm in contact with all my kids. Probably mm. you could call me uh, child-centered still at my age with my kids. My kids depend on me. They uh, talk to me. I, they still ask me for advice. 
The only thing that I would rebel against is the fact that I have to understand that they're all adults. And for some reason, I still want to solve their problems. And they really don't want anybody to solve their problems. They just want to be able to say, Dad, I'm, are you proud of me? Um, this is what I did today. What do you think about this? They even even sometimes even know the answer. It's always good. You know, I have a saying that says all of us is, is smarter than one of us. So they'll call for a certain general direction in life. But really, to tell you the truth, they're all settled in and their own past and doing quite well. So if I could just not try to steer them in directions, then that would be something that I that I would like to rebel against. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And then I, I'm I'm assuming that that's just to continue to create, you know, to rebel against that, you know, desire to <clears> give an answer is just to create uh, one, a deeper trust with them, or is it to create um, just the ability for them to kind of figure things out on their own or, or what, what would be the thing that, that you want to create out of maybe having less answers for them? Well, I want to be here instead of, I want to be a beer instead of a doer. I want to be a sounding board more than a director. Mm. Um, one of the things we'll talk about a little bit later is, is one of the things that I wish I would have, would have done differently in that. And that was to let them maybe go down the path to pain or to experience things that they need to, to, to experience uh, that they didn't get to experience because there was too much protection in the family. And yeah, I, well, let's, uh, let's get into that now. I mean, there's, so, yeah. you know, one of the things that you, that we were going to talk about is, is in kind of a be able, uh, a way to be able to reflect, you know, a lot of the dads who do listen <laughs> to the podcast, um, do have, you know, younger kids or kids still at home. So this is so valuable um, because, you know, in, in some sense, we've lost the art of having mentors and, and older men speak into our lives. And it's just, I mean, we need that. It's, it's how we were made, you know, the village mentality. So there's three things that you're going to share. Um, and uh, yeah, let's dig into it. What are they? Well, the first thing I think everybody knows, and um, uh, let's see, I've got to think what the three things are now. The one thing is, is that uh, I, I wish I would have chose my battles uh, a little bit mm -hmm. differently. I remember when my daughter wanted to paint her, her bedroom black and I, and I said, nope, you can't paint it black. And so somehow the compromise came out. Well, can, can I paint it any color but black? And I said, you can paint it any color but black. I get home two days later and I walk into a room that looked like an elephant just blew up in a room. It was so blood red. <laughs> That I thought, oh, my gosh, I wish I would have said black. I, I even think at that time we painted one of the walls tan just to kind of, you know, e ease up on the red. A bit. And that's just one of many, many examples. Um, let's see. The other thing that. So, uh, so let's, wish, let's dig into that before we go into yeah. the other two. So what's the value? OK, so, you know, if I got my 14 year old and say, you know, right now I have a 14 year old. And she's my first time I've ever had a 14 year old or when she was yeah. 10, it was the first time, right? You know, you've had the experience now that you've, you have a 39 year old. So you had kids at every stage. Um, do you think that a lot of times when you're in a certain season of like toddlers and then little kids and then middle schoolers and high schoolers, you know, you just think things are such a bigger deal. And then, you know, five years down the road, when they're in the next stage, it, you realize, man, that thing in, in middle school wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, give me some more around the, the pick your battles. Why would you change that? Um, you know, I think a lot of it was the fact that when uh, I wish, you know, 
when you start talking about that, uh, I, I always thought that the father's role was to say no first and then have them talk me into it. You know what mm. I mean? And sometimes I wish I, uh, what I meant choosing battles is I wish I would have validated their, their thoughts at the very beginning. Uh, and then maybe work through that a little bit differently. Um, if they came up with an idea that they wanted to do something instead of saying absolutely not, and then the negotiations start, right? I would have rather said, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And, you know, like if uh, somebody wanted to go spend the night and instead of saying absolutely not, and then letting them, this is one example, and then letting them talk them into it, I wish I would have said, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. I'll pick you up in the morning and there's a donut shop right around there and I'll bring you some donuts or something like that. It's something as simple as that. And then if it's done, if, if you notice, it's just not one situation. When you got five kids, now you've got 10, 15, 20, or 25 uh, different situations that could be going on at one time. Right. It could be dresses, it could be cars, it could be uh, um, wearing helmets, you know, uh, it, versus not wearing helmets, uh, permission to do things, you know, things like that. Um, so, 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 yeah. I mean, right there, that nugget alone is huge about you thought the father's role was to say no first and then let them talk you into it. Um, But you said you wanted to validate their thoughts at the beginning. Yeah. And then work through the situation after that. That's huge. And it's so funny because you, you just named a whole bunch of things just off the top of your head, but it's true. It's like, if you have two kids, three kids, four kids, five kids, it's like at one time you do have so much going on. So then the default is almost no, right? Cause it's just easier to say no, um, than put the time in. But I love that you, that the idea to validate their thoughts, because, you know, it's funny. It's even, you know, like a 10 year old, they think everything is so important at 10. And when you're at work struggling all day, or you might be having an issue with your spouse or work or money or whatever, it's like your 10 year old issue is not that big a deal, but to them, it is, or this birthday party they want to go to or whatever. So to validate that it's a big deal in their life, um, I think is important if we want to have that relationship with our kids. So um, that's huge. Picking your battles and, I can tell and you not a situation saying no first. Was, there was a situation where you, uh, a couple of weeks ago, you, uh, Brody was driving his motorcycle through the house. Yeah. Uh, you set up a track. Now, if one of my sons would have said that at first, I would have probably said, no, that sounds like a bad idea. But towards the end of the day, after I would probably would have had a blast. My question is, why didn't I validate and said, man, that sounds like a really good idea. Now, how are we going to make sure we're safe? Or how are we going to make sure we don't bust, you know, we don't bust into something we're not supposed to bust in? Um, so we had a house built one time and they wanted to write on the walls and, you know, do some freaky stuff. And of course I said, no. And of course I got talked into it before, you know what I'm writing things on the walls and stuff. And of course, uh, uh, a paint, a primer went over it, paint went over that and carpet went over all the stuff we were writing on the cement. Uh, So really the, I, the approach of, if, if dads today can understand that when kids, they're always trying to do something, every single one of them is always trying to do something. They're very active. And so it, so how much better would have the flow of that if I would have been that much more agreeable for a couple of reasons? One is the validation would have been huge, you know, 
two, I wouldn't have to train my kids how to talk themselves into things all the time. You know, those are the two things that are that I that I thought would have been the most, you know, that would have been paramount. Not that so they're like, you know, talk to me about that second one. What do you mean you, your kids wouldn't have to talk themselves into things? What do you mean? I mean, how many things did my kids not tell me when before I learned this concept that they didn't even um, that they didn't even approach me? They either went behind my back and did it or they just never did it. Um. I remember when I would text my, I would uh, text my kid, I'd call my kids, they wouldn't answer. And then I would text them and say, call me. And then more than almost every time they would text back and go, what do you want? Until I finally figured out the only time that I wanted to talk to them was when I wanted to beat them up. And so where's mm-hmm. the incentive for a kid to want to talk or to, for my children to talk to me if I'm not validating, but I'm always tugging at every first sense that they say so that was something that i had to break off from my father so now my kids call me all the time man now i I get down on my i text them when i want to get down on them and i never get down on them when i don't want to talk to them so i totally switched the game the whole playing field yeah that that tugs on my heart a little bit because you know i have one son and four daughters and so recently Brody, who's 11, he's like, dad, why do you always ask me to do everything? You know, because oh, yeah. it's, it's like, Brody, bring up the trash cans. Brody, put the dirt bikes away. Brody, wash the dirt bikes. Bro- and so, so it hits me a little bit because I can see, you know, that there is this, you know, it's because I have a different tenderness for my daughters. Like my wife is way hotter or harder on the, on the, the girls than she is on Brody. So I think there's a little bit of that dynamic there, but I don't want Brody to think that most of my interactions with him during the day are me wanting him just to, to like do stuff, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that's Jordan really good. Would like that too. Jordan the same way. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. Love it. That's, I mean, so good. Okay. So let's go on to number two, which is the one you kind of started talking about, about, you know, letting your kids make more mistakes. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, when I was a kid and me and my brother would get in trouble, first thing my mom would say, look, guys, will you take it out back? <laughs> you know, take it out back and beat each other up or do what you got to do. Um, and then what happened when is, is our culture changed. And I fell into that pit where, you know, don't hurt his feelings, you know, don't hurt their feelings, uh, you know. And so so their first go to was that their feelings were getting hurt instead of, you know, working things out. So when, when your feelings are hurt, it doesn't matter that your feelings get hurt. The problem is it stays internalized and then there's no negotiating. You just, there's hate and there's, you know, there's other things, but nothing ever gets done. Um, a sad example is usually when two young boys get into a fight, they're usually best friends right after. Well, my, whatever. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. girls. Probably the same thing with girls. I never did see my daughter really get into a fight, but I've seen my boys get into fights. And, uh, and so I, so that for some reason, they have to, when they're done fighting, they got to think of how stupid, and how ridiculous that was compared to, well, really, I just, you know, he wore the same shirt as me or something. And he was starting to really make me mad or, you know, I bought those shoes. Now he's, he's wearing them or, 
or or whatever its sibling rivalry was. And so I never let them like, uh, you know, negotiate and like hash it out themselves. We always intervened real quick, made the decisions for them. And uh, not that they turned out, you know, where they can't make their own decisions, but I wish I would have started that at a much, much earlier age. And by the way, I, I teach that to uh, when I teach leadership classes as well. I teach a little bit of fatherhood and stuff. I did leadership classes for two and a half years at a little cafe in Rockland called um, Origins. Oh, nice. On a yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that, that sounds like, you know, one is you wanted, you, you, you wish you hadn't intervened so much when your kids were having conflict so that they could kind of navigate it on their own and not just protect them from the conflict. And then also not worried so much about their feelings, which I think I tend to do a little bit too much um, as well, instead of letting them just process it. Cause it's like, I can't intervene for them their entire life. Um, with that same statement about making, letting them make more mistakes. Is there also another caveat to that, that you maybe protected your kids or you felt like you had from, um, f- from not letting them just, for example, touch the stove and learn, learn from that. Yeah. Things like that. The other thing is, um, you know, uh, I was thinking more or less like if I if uh, they were starting to wanting to play or hang around kids that I didn't like, I would probably just go ahead and nip it in the bud instead of maybe kept a close eye on it and see what their behavior was like and then talk to them a little bit later. Um, that would be a that would be a perfect example. And I didn't. I protected them of who they could see. You know, um, you know, we, we, we hung around like-minded people. What's the downside of that? What's the downside of protecting your kids from say, hanging out with a neighbor kid who might be a little trouble, you know? Well, they don't get to find out. Uh Go for it. They don't get to find out for themselves, you know, what's right or wrong because they never did get exposed to it. It could have been smoking pot. It could have been staying out late after curfew. Uh, you know, I don't know why I was such a stickler that they had to be in at nine o'clock, you know, cause they always wanted to come in at nine, 10 anyway, what was wrong with nine 30 or 10 or even maybe, uh, on Saturday nights a little bit longer, you know, things like that. Do you think that it, it, what it set up any bad habits or things behind your back because you were more strict or would you have just stayed that strict and that it, it ended up panning out or is it different per kid? I think I think a lot of stuff wouldn't have been um, wouldn't have been uh, hidden behind my back. You know, I mean, literally wouldn't be hidden by, behind my back. And there's things that kids do anyway, that there's 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 stuff that you, you, can't, you can't stop. I'll give you right. a couple examples. When your kids go to school, there's going to be a time when they're going to go ahead and put their helmet on. And then as soon as they get around the block, they're going to take their helmet off and put it in their backpack. That nothing you can do. There's just there's nothing you can do. So you got to let them have that risk. I mean, it's either that or you're going to follow them around the block like we used to and then catch them, right, which I thought was wrong and eventually backed off. Here's another example. you got a 14-year-old. In a couple of years, she's going to be driving, and there's a rule in California where nobody can drive in the car, or there was a rule that nobody else can drive in the car, uh, and so if for the first full year, well, I can tell you right now, I don't think there's a teenager alive that isn't going to pick up somebody and take them to school 
you know, and so instead of over monitoring that, you know, those are kind of things that, that they're going to do that are wrong, that they're going to have to experience themselves. If they get caught, well, then they get their license taken away. Right. You know, if a yard duty teacher catches them without their helmet, well, that's a consequence that they're going to have to pay. But to sit there and monitor every single thing, I don't know. I don't know how healthy that is. You can tell them what's right or wrong. You can tell them it's not a good idea, but they're going to have to make their own decisions and just hope they don't crack their head completely open. Yeah, that's you know, really good. They're driving their bicycle. Yeah, it's something that I've been kind of realizing too is sometimes there are just natural consequences. So I don't always have to give another consequence. Like if they are riding their bike to school and they fall and hit their head and they've got a concussion, just as an example, am I then also going to take yeah. their bike away from them or do I just let them realize the natural consequence of what happened, right? They hurt themselves. I'm not going to layer another consequence on top of that. No, I'm not talking about that because I think you do need to take their bike away. If they do that, so. because you, yeah, you already told them it was right or wrong. They have to suffer the consequences. What I can't do is I can't glue, I can't glue the helmet to their head. Is what I'm saying, right? You know, or just ride bikes with them every day to school. Or, you, or, or in our case, we had parents in our neighborhood that would literally drive by their. I mean, instead of driving their kids to school, they drive by their kid. They would drive alongside their kids as their kid to make sure their helmet was on. I mean, really insane parenting in, in some in some areas. I know it's hard for you to believe, but it was like that in our neighborhood. No, I could believe it. I think that people get a little caught up in the in the overprotection. Um, okay, so the third thing, the third thing was protect their hearts. Yeah, talk to me about that. What does that mean? So, you know, I you have four girls and a boy, and I have four boys and a girl. But uh, what happens in the mix is that when you've got when you've got four girls and a boy, then you got to watch out about emasculating the boy in terms of watch out because it's a, it's a female, you know, it's a, it's a female, um, uh, you know, atmosphere. You got your wife, your four girls, and then you two boys. Mine was just the opposite to where maybe, uh, you know, with boys, you know, protecting their heart is a little bit different than protecting, uh, your, your, uh, a daughter's heart. So there is a, there is a gender difference. And so what I ended up doing is, I ended up treating my daughter uh, more uh, uh, more like not protecting her heart, like maybe a father needs to protect their daughter's heart um, so that when she gets in the world and she she has a mate, you know, the, you know, the mate is supposed to protect, you know, the, the, I, I do believe that there's a there's, I'm not going to say gender inequality, but there is a way that a, that a male a man needs to treat a woman. Definitely. And in this case, my, my daughter married the, the perfect guy, in my opinion, and he does protect her heart. He's a great guy. Uh, and he's a great father. Um, I just wish that maybe I would have protected her heart a little bit more and it not invalidated her, her heart and her feelings. Um, and it did cost me a relationship for a long, long time. And it took years to get our relationship back. And I did exactly what I should have done when she was younger, which was to pursue her heart. Mm. And, and, you know, and yeah, and, and pursue the heart, you know, and, and care for her heart and talk like that and uh, communicate like that. Um, you know, guys, it's about toughness. Girls, it's about tenderness. 
there's a combination in the two. I just wish I would have uh, uh, differentiated it more. And if I could talk to future fathers, I would say that exact same thing. You know, protect your daughter's heart. Uh, it's a different type of heart. It's a different type of protection than a male. Man, that's so good. Do you have uh, any examples of, do you have any, well, okay, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you a second to think about that. Do you have any examples of how to protect their heart? So I'll let you think about that for a second while I make another comment. Dude, I think that the 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 power in your um, your story and your witness to be able to say, you know, because I think sometimes like being a dad ends when my kids move out. And I remember, I remember, you know, you being very distraught when your your daughter's in her 20s and you guys didn't have a good relationship and you con- continued to pursue her heart you know and and to go fatherhood's never over you know for that never. to matter to you that's so amazing because even if your kid is older or you're not talking with your kid right now i see so many families that they just don't talk forever right? They just forever just let it go and move on. And gosh, dang, that scar, that hurt, that pain, um, that's on both sides, whether you believe it or not, is is there. And so the fact that you stuck it out and you continued to be a salesman in a sense and go, okay, I'm finding the door in, right? I'm finding the way in. And you figured it out. And I think that's just such a testimony for for people of any and all ages. One, to know that fatherhood never ends, and two, to know that even if it seems hopeless, that it's not. Yeah, exactly right. You know, it's huge. It's huge. So if if a guy has a teenage daughter, okay, let's just say right now, you know, I've got a daughter who's going into high school. How do you maybe some suggestions around um, paying attention to her heart and protecting her heart? Any thoughts or ideas? Yeah. Okay. So your daughter's eventually going to want to go to the mall with some friends. I mean, it's it's going to happen. So, uh, so one way of handling it is call me every 10 minutes, text me everywhere you are. And now they got this new thing now where I want to see you live, like every, on on top of every hour and, you know, um, uh, um, FaceTime or whatever. So we have these ways and means of really tracking our kids. And, uh, and so what's hap- what's hap- what was happening was <clears throat> instead of me feeling like she was being protected, I almost made her feel like she was guilty before proven innocent. Hmm. And so my word tracks or my words should have been something like, you know, Hey, I want you to know that I really care about you. Is there a way that you can like text me every half an hour without making you feel like the girls are going to, you know, think you're, you know, like you're being watched too much or can you FaceTime me when it's getting towards dinner time? So I can just, I can just see your beautiful face and, I'll stop anything I'm doing or or whatever like that. And so, um, unfortunately I didn't learn that until my daughter was an adult Hmm. and man, I wish I would have learned that. What a, what a, just one little key thing, just a, just one little tweak. And I, you know, it would have saved years and years of, of, uh, of my daughter's heartache in, in me having to, feel that, that I didn't get, get to connect with my daughter. Dude, I'm just, it's so good. It's so good on, you know, the first thing is, is you and I can see each other through the way that we're recording this. Right. And I love how much you love being a dad. Like I, 
Yeah. And I, and I, and I say that not to like, not to make this just about you and I having a conversation, but for other dads to know that are listening, just the deep fulfillment and purpose when you embrace this fatherhood role and make it this lifelong pursuit that to have feelings, like we all want to feel and, and, and you feel it. And I love that. And I want other dads to feel that as well. Um, and then when I think about it, like as men, we, we do want to be the guy in the story who's pursuing the heart. We do want to yeah. be that guy, you know, when we're pursuing a lady and we get that same opportunity in a very loving and tender way with our daughters. If we see it that way, if we see that we get to be, I mean, our daughters look to us men and fathers in a different way than our sons will, or our spouses will, or anything. It's such a special relationship. And I don't want us to miss it. I don't want it to, us to miss it, you know? Um, and so the, these, these nuggets you're sharing with us are huge. Any other thoughts around, you know, the, um, the protecting of the hearts, um, or the other two that we discussed before I jump into, you know, uh, any last thoughts in my last question? Yeah. So, yeah, the one thing about uh, protecting your 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 daughter's heart or, you know, or protecting that heart is that um, you when you uh, you don't have to worry about. Uh, or So when you do protect your daughter's heart and then she feels like her heart is being uh, uh, protected. And this is a later age. I'm talking like almost late twenties before we started connecting like that. So, and then all of a sudden, uh, you can, you know, then all of a sudden you'll get a text going, dad, how are you doing? Haven't talked mm. to you in a while. Uh, love mm. you. The baby's doing fine and stuff. And so those are the, so those are the rewards that come that, that come back from, making sure that you, you never give up. And um, the second thing is that I can't speak for a woman, but I can tell you, I was accepted by my father fully. And I never realized the power of my father's love until I started seeing the power that my love had on my kids. And then I, that's where the, the, the tri-dimensional uh, legacy comes in. You know, the, you know, then you look, then, then you can look back and start appreciating your father even more and more because of that acceptance that he had. And there, there is a, there is a, a power that a father had, the father's love has, and it, it covers many dimensions, survival modes, uh, how you love, how you receive love, how you're perceived. Um, you know, how, how do you accept people, how you don't accept people? Um you know, uh, how you get along in the world, how you, um, how you perceive the world, how you perceive obstacles, how you perceive life's life in general, um, you know, things like that. So there's like, yeah. And you just go on. Yeah. You just made a list of things. This is not like to pause. I mean, I would even rewind it back. If you're listening, we're talking about enormous lifelong, how you perceive the world, how you perceive yourself, how you perceive love. These are enormous. And you said it, a father's love is so powerful, right? Like for you to say, I mean, the confidence you've walked around with in life because yeah. you were accepted by your father. And even at 64 years old, yeah. the way you talk about your father is still this 
like, yeah, my dad died when I was young, but it set me into a trajectory of life where I knew I was accepted. And so the confidence I have when I wake up is can be relayed back to the way that my father loved me. So dads, if you're listening to this, don't look at this as like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Look at it as, wow, this is the greatest opportunity of my life. The the greatest thing you might do with your life is the way that you are a father. Everything else is secondary. Your business, your achievements, but everything, you know, secondary. everything, everything is secondary. <laughs> and 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 I want men to get this when, I mean, when their kids won, you know, so that when they're 64 or 75 and they're looking back, they have this amazing legacy. So talk to me, you know, my, my last question is, is typically, you know, and, and we keep talking, but um, what's the legacy you want to leave? But, but I would like to have you talk about the tri-dimensional legacy that you mentioned a moment ago, which we've talked about a few times. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, every dad has sayings. Your dad has sayings. My dad had mm. sayings, you know, things that stick in your head. And then what the tridimensional uh, aspect where it comes from, where I came up with that term was, then you go ahead and, and you, you, you listen to those sayings. And, and I'll give you some examples. Um, my father told me that once you have kids, your life is not your own anymore. Now, I don't know if that's a dysfunctional thing to actually say what they're saying is is that you don't have a right to yourself anymore in terms of um let's see how can i explain this so it sounds more functional uh your life is not your own in terms of you can't go run your own life without your kids being in your existence anymore yeah you can't just go ahead and have kids and then run off and so, uh, and I'll just take that example. So, so my youngest, he had a child, uh, I'd say it'd be two years in October. And uh, one of the things is, uh, I spent a lot of, a lot of time with those two, actually my son and my grandson. And I just go, you know, and he, he was young to be a father and, you know, he needed some growing up to do. And, and I, there were some actions that I saw and I, and I go, man, you're just a good dad. And I, I'm really proud of you. And man, you're really, you know, you know, instead, you know, he, he's gentle with the baby when the baby cries and, and he's a good baby. He's a great, he's a great baby. And he just kind of turned around to me and he said, I, I can choke up right now. So I better watch it. But, uh, you know, he said, uh, I learned a long time ago that when you have a child, your life's not your own anymore. It's, your concentration is your children. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. And you can never, uh, and then the other thing is, um, hmm. uh, other sayings that my dad would say, like, um, like don't ever take your eye off the ball. And I, and my kids will say that now, you know, Hey, you just don't take, I can, I mean, you know, like, um, like I, like, uh, uh, like when you're sitting there and you're getting ready to pl- to, uh, to play catch with your son and, you know, they'll move their head to the left or the right and you can be two inches from throwing the ball into their mitt and they'll miss it because they're going to the left or the right. And you, and you got to go, uh, Hey, don't take your eye off the ball. And so at older you get these little parables that you talk about become like life. And so when I, when one of my sons or, you know, they start wandering a little bit off or they, you know, they don't need to be, I'll say, don't, you know, don't ever, ever take your eye off the ball. In this case, in this particular case, we'd be talking about fatherhood. 
You know, uh, the other example is my father would always say, and by the way, you have to give yourself grace because you can't do this all the time. But my, my dad would always say, Wally, you know, do the right thing. And so passing that on to your kids and just saying, you know, hey, so-and-so, you know, do the right thing. Just do the right thing. And so then when they start doing their choices and then they'll come up and I go, wow, man, that, you know, I'm glad you're not doing that anymore. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can think of one person in general uh, in specific, which I really can't talk. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say, but there was some bad things going on. And finally, I said, well, what, what made you what was your deciding factor, you know, not to quit that particular activity that, that you were doing? He says, well, because you told me a long time ago to do the right thing. And even when I wasn't doing the right thing, and my, there was a voice in my head that kept saying, do the right thing. And so then it comes around. It will it'll eventually come around to where you'll get mature enough or you'll get slapped enough in life where you go, man, I'm just going to do the right thing. And then, then your decision-making starts that. Does it work all the time? No, I'm human. Sometimes I make decisions that are selfish, but I'm always reminded what my father did tell me, even when I'm making those decisions at 64 years old, do the right thing. And, and your so kids, and so that's the tri-dimensional legacy is that, yeah. I mean, your dad's, your dad's words live on and who knows yeah. where he heard that from. I mean, it could be from years and years of, of do the right thing. And I mean, when you say that alone, do the right thing. I mean, I think that that is really a main reason why our world looks as yeah. unharmonious as it does is because so many dads have just skipped out or so many men have been hurt. Let's just, we're talking about men fatherhood that, you know, they, whatever, couldn't get their crap together to then teach that to their kids. And then that just continues. That's the tri-dimensional legacy that's passed down is nothing, not doing the right thing. Nobody telling you to do the right thing. Um, and if more dads just, I mean, that alone, do the right thing. I'm going to set by example. When I mess up, I'm going to apologize because I am human and I make selfish mistakes. But you're going to see that over time, my consistency is to do the right thing. So you're saying it and you're doing it. Your son sees it. And then his son is going to see it even beyond your life, just like your dad. Yeah. It's huge. Exactly right. Huge. And it's huge. simple. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. Like we all have that opportunity to, to empower our children. Yeah. Through our words and do. actions. It's such a cool opportunity. And it's so fun because Walt, you love being a dad and you still love being a dad and you love being, I've seen you be a grandfather to your, your, your grandkids too. And, and that's another great piece that you get to be, you know? Yeah, it never ends. It's pretty cool. I really get my joy so from them. Cool. And I so get cool. recharged. They're, they're kind of like, you know, make your kids your sanctuary as well. They're your buds. They're your tribe. They're your original yeah. tribe. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Well, Walt, I could talk about fatherhood with you forever. Any last thoughts, wisdom, anything that's in your head that you want to share before we wrap this up? Yeah. I do have something that I want to talk to all fathers about. And that is that there was, I had so many opportunities to give up being a dad. Hmm. You know how much, you know how much easier it would be if I didn't have to, you know, like how many times did you go to the mall and buy uh, 
five jackets and none for yourself. You bought them all because it's winter time, and you bought, or you know, I don't know if you've gone through the braces stage, but you know, we have one. I, okay, I was up, you know, over twenty thousand dollars in braces, and I still had crooked teeth. <laughs> so, you know, there's a sacrifice of being a father. But if I if I would have given up, I could have had all that money, and I could have had all that time to myself. But there's absolutely no reward that anybody can gain from giving up on your kids. Hmm. There's no reward. Kids have to know that there's somebody that doesn't give up on them no matter what. It's huge. So huge. So powerful. Like not even, I can't even, me saying huge and powerful, like feels just so meaningless to the statement you just made. Yeah. To not give up on your kids. But, but you're right. I mean, uh, so many, it it is, sometimes it seems like it'd be easier not to have to do X, Y, or Z, or, you know, like some dads do just skip out, you know, but there's no reward in that. There's just going to be pain and regret. I mean, with, for everybody involved, I mean, it puts an emptiness in everything and, you know, so never give up. I mean, if I thought uh, I look back and I, if I would have get, I, I, I could have given up several times on my daughter, but, and I had so many people tell me that even though I knew in my head that she, I could never have her back in my life. And I remember people saying, Oh, it, time will heal. You know, there's an emptiness that she, that's need, needs to be filled. You just have to be there when that need comes up. And then that's when they know you're the dad. Hmm. that's when she knew I was her, her father is when I was, I was, a, even though she wasn't, I, uh, she wasn't available to me at that time. I was always available to her and the connection came in the connection. It finally connected. Now I can tell all fathers that are hopeless that never give up. It will turn around, but you can't, the trick is you can never ever give up. I mean, weekly texts, Calling and, and asking permission, can I call you again next month? Um, uh, birthday cards, uh, you know, fl- I remember flowers, everything. Just don't give up. Now, of course, I'm talking about my daughter at this particular time. And I can't tell you why that those circumstances happen. But I can tell you that it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. You can always, as long as you never give up, there's, there's a full circle where it has to come around. So I can tell every father today, don't give up. They will come back because there's a there's a void and they can li- they can, I guess they can live with that void because they're strong. But there's going to be a time when it just that void just keeps working on them, especially if the father is available there. And it can right. take, yeah. years. you know, it can take years. Then you get a phone call. It's crazy. Walt, man, every time I talk to you, I, I learned something and I moved and I'm just so excited. Like my mind's like, I got to get this, this conversation out to a thousand people, you know, <laughs> like it, this can change, this can change this conversation, making little tweaks and understanding who you are in your role can literally change family generations for, for 500 years oh, no. from now, a thousand years from now. 
I have no doubt about that, about the power you and I have as fathers. Oof, oof. It's incredible. Well, I love and appreciate you. Um, I know that you'll be one of those people who will be in my life forever. Uh, You are an incredible friend, father, human, very intentional, very wise, willing to share and give away your wisdom um, to anybody who will listen. And so I just want to encourage you to keep being that that father and friend um, to to all that you come in contact with. Um, there was a time, now that I think about it, you know, because I was going to say, you've taken the fatherhood role, not just for your own kids, but it's a position you hold towards the world. Anybody who's going to call you and you're going to treat them like a kid in the sense that you're going to share. And there was a time where I was actually on a text that you had with your boys um, a text string that you would send some text out and, and I would be included in that. So you've been, a, you've been that sort of figure to many. And I remember your house was, gosh, I don't I even want to guess what your, your grocery bill was during the high school years, but uh, your door was never locked. You know, I mean, there was, you probably come home to kids there all the time, um, that weren't your own. And I'm hoping to create that in my own, my own home as well. So, yeah, Walt, you've made a big impact on this world, and I know you'll continue to do so. And thank you for taking time to uh, share that with us today. Well, Ned, thanks very much, man. It's always good talking to you. You know I love you. I love your family. Yeah. You know, very first time I met you, you know, it was just pretty incredible. It's been an incredible ride, and I really appreciate you, man. Oh, man. And as you say that, okay, I'm going to share one last story about you. So I took all my family... I told I took all my family to Disneyland and um we have five kids, right? And so we had peanut butter and jelly in the backpack, you know, that were gonna be hot and soggy and gross uh by lunchtime. But you're going to Disneyland, you're you don't you don't got money. So uh I get a text when I'm at Disneyland from Walt and it's like, Oh Ned, I remember I saw a picture of you and your family at Disneyland today. Uh I remember taking my kids there, it's just whatever, whatever, whatever. I need you to go to Rainforest Cafe and and just send me the and I didn't have money at the time send me the receipt and dinner's on me because it's so fun and we did we we I probably you know as the dad I probably ended up eating all those sandwiches like <laughs> over the next two days because I don't want to waste them but we went to Rainforest Cafe seven people on Walt and have yeah, the best time that. and have pictures of it so that's the kind of guy that Walt is <laughs> I, do you remember what the caveat was though I th- what you had to do in order for me to pay for the bill. I thought it was that I had to take a picture and send it to you, but maybe it's something else. You did. You had to send a picture with your all your kids with the spoons on their nose. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I remember <laughs> that. So we are all had, you know, blown our, our breath on the spoon to get it to stick to our nose and sent a picture to Walt. Man, that was a That's while right. ago. Oh, could have been. All right, well, oh, dude, that was a long, long time ago. That was a long time ago. Well, thanks, Ned. I appreciate you, you wanting to take the time with me, man. Wow, wow, wow. Incredible. So incredible. I mean, never give up. Pick your battles. Let your kids make more mistakes and protect their hearts and continue to fight for them. It's never too late. Oh, so powerful, dudes. Implement these truths. Yes, they are simple to say, 
and they're really simple to wrap your mind around, but hard in execution because it takes discipline and energy. But dude, you have what it takes. If you enjoyed this conversation, please write a review on iTunes and or share it. But I want to hit 100 podcast reviews in the next 100 days. That means I need you listening right now to go onto iTunes and write a quick review that would be it would just mean so much to me and be very uh, helpful. So please and thank you. Every Monday, I put out this Fatherhood Field Notes podcast where I interview incredible dads. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It still falls under the Rebel and Create, wherever it is that you listen to it, but it's called Craft of Fatherhood, where I discuss a question sent to me. If there's a question you want to send to me, hear me discuss it on that podcast. It's usually, you know, 14, 15, 16 minutes. You can email ned at rebelandcreate.com. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide net shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time.